Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and in this episode, we get to talk about what it looks like in practice to raise children differently than we were raised. I got to hang out with one of my favorite people, Dr. Lynetta Willis, to chat about this. I have brought Lynetta into everything that I do for the most part since I met her because her work is so imperative for us on this journey of raising emotionally intelligent humans. She has a workshop in our seed certification. She's been on the podcast before. We featured her in our book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, and talking about her work. And in this episode, we really get to go down and dirty into like, what does this look like in practice? Because I don't know about you, but there are some things I want to pass on from my childhood and some things that I don't. And the, how do we do the, some things I don't part without completely swinging the pendulum to the other side. It's so hard. It's so hard to do what we haven't seen before. And we get to chat about that today. If you have not already done so, head on over to www.seedandso.org book to snag your copy of Tiny Humans, Big Emotions. My book is publishing soon and we go deep into this work here, like what comes up from us from our childhood? How do we parent with intention and not from a place of fear or anxiety? And what does it look like to respond to our individual humans and really allow them to have hard emotions and be with them through them and support them in developing a toolbox, especially if we didn't experience that as a child, that it's really hard to do something that we haven't seen before. So Come on over seedandso.org slash book to snag your copy of Tiny Humans, Big Emotions. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Voices of Your Village. I get to hang out with just a dreamboat of a human, one of my favorite people, Dr. Lynetta Willis. She's been on the pod before. She's coming back. I wrote about her and her work in my book. 
uh, Tiny Humans Big Emotions. She has a workshop for the seed certification. Anything that I'm a part of, I beg her to come join me in because I love her. I learn from her all the time. And I think her work is so important for all of us. In her workshop for the seed certification, psychologist Lynetta Willis discusses the push-pull of past and present as a relay race of legacy blessings and legacy burdens. Legacy blessings are the experiences, phrases, and moments from our childhood that serve and support us in our lives. Legacy burdens are challenges we're working through in order to write different stories. Our grandparents passed the baton to our parents who passed on some blessings and healed some burdens. They passed the baton to us to heal more burdens, and we get to pass the baton to our children to continue to navigate their legacy blessings and burdens. One day, I hope our children will grow up and tell us about the things they've learned in ways they are working to do things differently. You aren't failing if you aren't perfect. You're human, and your mess is welcome here. And that's what I want to get to dive in with you today on Lynetta is that like so many of us are trying to do some things differently from our childhood and from the ways we were raised. And I think that's what progress is, right? Like saying, okay, what, what worked, what didn't, how do we move this forward while not swinging the pendulum? And I think one of the greatest challenges in this is finding compassion for the burdens we've been handed and for the humans who handed us the burdens. Oh, so true. First of all, I'm so excited to be here with you. You are one of my favorite humans as well. Every time I think about you, I smile. It's like, you're one of my purple people. You know, I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, you were dead on. I think I honor and have so much, I'm in awe of anyone who was willing to do this work, this deep transformational work around legacies, because it's not always easy and it certainly isn't always fun. <laughs> it no. can be, it can be, I try to make it fun, but sure. <laughs> it's not always fun, you know? And it really is. It's like, you've been handed all this stuff. It, it, the image I'm, I get images, as you know. So the image I'm getting is like, you know, this long line of people and one person picks up a brick and then hands it to the next person. And that person has their brick and then picks up another brick and then hands those two bricks to somebody. And that person has those two bricks and then picks up their own brick. And then by the time it gets to the end of the line, the person's only like 80 bricks. And it's like, oh, dear God. And then they're picking up their own bricks to put on sure. top of it. Right. And it's hard. Like, how do you navigate and negotiate that? Like, do I put them down? And if so, how? But if I hold on to them, then how do I function in the rest of the areas of my life? Do I build something with these things? Hey, can y'all help me? Oh, shoot, you're dead. Okay, so what do I, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, and those who aren't don't even really acknowledge the bricks. It's like, what bricks? I don't know what you're talking about, right? Like, it, it's, if you were talking about that before we started, that sense of, um, we're just not going to talk about it. Right. Yeah, it's like, I had I so much about, of that in my childhood. Yes. Yes. You know, I talk about the four horsemen mindset of pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. The four things that are often used to raise children that are not so helpful. And I say that oh, people think like they really harp on the pain, the blame, and the shame, but the avoidance, oh, that is a sneaky little bugger. It is so insidious. Like one of the examples that I gave 
was when I was um, 16 years old, I tried to end my life. And I took like every pill I could find in the house. Luckily, somehow I missed the Tylenol. But, you know, I like took like blood pressure pills, all this stuff. And um, my grandmother, when she found me, she asked me, what did you do? I don't even remember how she realized something was off, but she was like, what did you do? And I told her, and she gave me black coffee. And I make that face because I can still taste it, like, because it came up. And um, we never talked about it again. I didn't, therapy, what's that, right? And yeah. I know. Well, if we don't talk about it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It's like, I don't see you. You don't see me, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And I know she was terrified. And I know she loved me. And I know if it had gone the other way and she woke up and found my lifeless body, she would have been absolutely devastated. Like it would yeah. have completely derailed her and her life. So I don't doubt that. But this idea of when we hurt, we get help. When mm-hmm. things are off, we, we, we ask why. We lean in, right? Like that idea wasn't something that we were, that was really passed down in our family. So I guess the brick there would be that avoidance brick. You just don't talk about it. You just sure. leave it alone. You don't even, you don't, you don't mess with that ground because if you disturb the ground, then the zombies will come up. <laughs> and feelings will grow. We get this a lot where people are like, well, when I mention a feeling word or when I talk about feelings, their feelings get bigger or they're fine at grandma's house. And then when I pick them up, they're melting down for me. And this idea that like, oh, what I'm doing is making the feelings bigger uh, rather than, which is really what I think it is, is that when we talk about feelings and I'm a safe space for them, they're allowed to talk about them. And instead of holding them in or burying them inside, they have a space to let them out in a way that so many of us didn't have. Yes. When it's, it's almost like when we don't have them, it's really a form of emotional constipation, right? Like life wants constipation. Yes. It's emotional constipation. We're just plugging it up, holding it in. You know, and when we, life wants to flow, that's what life does. It just flows, right? Like you go to the river, you don't say, hey, Mr. River, can you hold up a second and let me cross? Like, no, unless you got a Moses staff or something, like it's not going to happen, right? So, I mean, it's one of those things where life flows, seasons change, things move. That's the normal. You're, you're, you're a, what do you call it? So your digestive system, it moves your emotions, they flow. That's what they're supposed to do. So when we hold things in and we stop things up, that's not natural. That's not, that's like, we have to put effort into, you know, holding right. it in, holding it tight. Don't let it out. Because if you do, and then that's where the shaming and the blaming and the pain comes in. I mean, I don't know if any listeners have heard the whole, like, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Like, that was a famous line in my house, you know? And so I learned very, very early that emotions are liabilities. Mm. They are liabilities, and they could get you hurt if they come out too hard too fast. And for me, I... It wasn't a physical hurt. It was an emotional hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I have four brothers mm-hmm. and they very much, for the most part, fit the stereotype or what we often push boys and men into of, oh, you're not allowed to express anything outside of anger. Um, and I think it's a really just heartbreaking thing that we do to boys and men. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and 
for me, I was the girl. And so I was dramatic. I was emotional. And one of the things that I dreaded being was high maintenance Mm. in a low income family, five kids, just working to put food on the table. The last way that you showed love or received love was by having needs. Mm -hmm. And that was not categorized in my house as having needs. It was categorized as being high maintenance. And I actually just, oh my gosh, it just came up today because I was talking to my mom and we have somebody, we're going to my parents for a week and a half. And I have a bunch of in-person workshops kind of nearby them. And Zach's coming and he's going to be working and I'm going to be working. And so someone who works for Seed is so graciously coming with us to be able to watch Sage because my parents will be working. And so she was like, I'll come with you so that Sage, you can come and you can make this happen. And Darn it, I wish I had known I would have jumped in that spot. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. And so she's coming and staying. And I was chatting with my mom. My parents haven't met her. And so I was like, oh, yeah, she's like super chill. They were asking, you know, does she have any dietary stuff we should know about? Blah, blah. And I was like, no, she's super chill. And my mom said, yeah, I figured you probably wouldn't put up with somebody who is high maintenance. And I was like, oh, I'm so triggered inside right now. <laughs> and I, yeah, I somebody said, who oh, needed to eat. <laughs> oh, right? And I was like, oh, you need somebody who would have needs. Exactly. And I was like, oh, somebody who has needs outside of the ones that I have. I just like, I said it. And then it just like, there was never, she's not going to say anything else after that. Right. Right. Just like this awkward silence for a minute. And, but I was thinking of that as I was like, oh, I get to hang out and chat with Lynetta today. This is pertinent of like, what do I want to carry on? Mm -hmm. And what do I not? Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I want Sage to know, and this sweet little girl that's growing in my belly right now to know also like, oh, fun. I haven't told the rest of the world that it's a girl yet. So there you go. Inside <gasps> listeners. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, you get a little You're going to have a high need, high maintenance diva. That's going to be fantastic. I mean, somebody who wants to eat and sleep. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, right, right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody has basic human needs. And I, but I'm like thinking about it. I was like, that's something that I definitely want them to know. You get to have needs, you know, like if you have to stop Mm -hmm. and pee while we're traveling, that's okay. If you're having a hard feeling, you're allowed to have that, you know? And I, that's one of those like burdens when we're looking at legacy blessings versus burdens that I look at that feels really important to me to do differently. And where it gets tricky for me is not swinging the pendulum. I'm so glad you mentioned, I literally wrote down pendulum. I think we're so in sync. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I have a a parent coaching program triggered to transformed. And these are the two things that um, parents, when they first come in, like dance with, I don't like the word struggle. Who wants to struggle? I'm not claiming struggle. Dance, dance with is, um, this concept of my needs matter. That's mm-hmm. like a banner phrase we have in the program because <laughs> and one mom, she said, I said, when you hear that my needs matter, what comes up for you? She was like, I'm pretty sure I had to turn those in before I left the hospital with my kid. I don't think I leave my kid without getting those. <laughs> and I'm like, that's often how it feels, right? Um, so it's that, that my needs matter piece. First, I have needs. And then once you realize you have them, that they matter. 
Um, and then the pendulum swing, right? Because it is so triggering and truth moment. There are sometimes I can still hear like when my daughter, she's 11 now, when she gets into those moments where she's like, you can't get my mama. There are times my can literally feel my grandma on my shoulder. Like you're going to let her talk to you like that with the whole like new age parenting thing. Is that, is that what this was really? Cause (laughs) I didn't experience any of that. Like, you know, and I'm like, stop it. Go wait. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love you. Go wait. You know? And so it's that pendulum swing because on the one hand, you don't want to do what you did before, which is why people come into trigger to transform because they're like, I want to do this parenting thing differently. I want to transform these legacies, but I don't know how. And so they're like, I know what I don't want to do. But when I do what I think I should do, I feel like I'm just like a railroad track just being run over, Yeah, you know, and it comes up that sense of like, and then that leads to like, they tolerate, tolerate, tolerate until they hit a certain point and they swing all the way back over here. Right. right. So learning like, where is that often messy middle and yeah. playing with that and experimenting between honoring you, being present with you honoring your feelings and your needs. And then at the same time, honoring myself and my needs and what, what, you know, what I, my even expectations, right. Hmm. Without running over you or unleashing the four horsemen on you. Yeah. And that really is, it's not something that you can necessarily just download into your brain and up, you got it. You know, and it's really is a step-by-step process. It's something that you learn moment by moment, moment, inch by inch over time, recognizing when things work, celebrating when things go well, connecting with people when they don't and being like, I don't understand what just happened there. You know, we say like these kids don't come in. It's like we're on, we're in a play and we're reading the script and we have like all these books and we, and our script is good. And then we say our thing. And then the kid says the exact opposite. And we're like, I'm sorry, that wasn't your line. Your line was, <laughs> thank you, mother. You are the best human in the world. Sorry, I did that. I'll never do it again. That's your line. Go. <laughs> You're not like, playing the part, right? Like I'm supposed to be kind to you and patient. And then you are collaborative. And that's how this works. Yeah. For me, what comes up around this stuff is like patience versus boundaries that to be honest, I am not a very patient person. It's like a joke in my household. My husband is remarkably patient for like all things in life, for goals he sets for whatever. And I am a very impatient person. It's really hard for me to wait for things. And I'm just like, well, this isn't working like abort mission. And (laughs) So even with tiny humans, like patience isn't something I can rely on, Mm. right? If I am relying on patience, everybody's screwed. And (laughs) it is like, I'm screwed the kids, like the whole shebang. And so for me, what I've had to learn is like, when I am finding like that, that build of like, I'm trying to be patient with this thing. I'm trying to be patient, but really I'm getting annoyed. I'm getting annoyed. It's usually for me now a trigger of like where do you need a boundary mm-hmm. and what's that boundary that. Mm-hmm. because when I can set a boundary for myself or for them then I don't have to rely on patience yeah I love that so much because it's true like whenever we get into those triggered states that's often a sign that yeah there's an unmet need here 
right? And it usually does require a boundary. It requires me to not put something against you. Mm -hmm. You know, I often talk to parents about a boundary is really in many ways saying not what I'm going to do to you. If you Mm -hmm. don't do this, I'm going to do. It's what I'm going to do in this situation when X, Y, Z happens, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I don't have to touch you. I just say anything to you most times, right? But it's it's a, it's me stating very clearly, this is what I'm going to do when A, B, C, X, Y, Z, and then honoring that for myself. Because what usually happens is we'll set the boundary and then the thing will happen. And then we'll be like, okay, next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hold that boundary next time. But that's where the like my needs thing comes mm-hmm. in. Is like by setting a boundary, I can honor my needs. Yes. Like I need to get out the door with you for childcare so that we can make this whole thing happen so that I'm not mad at you on the way and rushing through things because I have to get back for a meeting and we had all this stalling getting out, right? And so mm-hmm. my needs here are like, I have to get out the door at this time to get back at this time for this meeting. And when I can set boundaries that honor those needs, then I can have more compassion for their big emotions. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not gripe, you're not grip griping with, you know, um, what you're doing to me, right? Like totally. You you're gonna make me late. My, yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna make me late. Why are you doing this to me? Why, right? And then we put ourselves in this victim space. And now parts of us, the protective parts of us come out and our child is no longer a sweet little child. They're a lion that is trying to eat us. <laughs> now I'm pissed at a two-year-old, right? Exactly. Like, Yeah. And when I say it out loud, it sounds bonkers, but I'm like, I man, know. I've been angry at babies. Yes. Yes. Cause they've done these things to me. Right. Correct. And, and I'm not in any way minimizing or undermining the often extreme difficulty that arises when trying to parent a child who is having big emotions. It is hard, especially when you've got grandma and great grandma and all these people (laughs) behind you telling you what you should do. And then you have Alyssa and Lynetta over here telling you this. And then you got, (laughs) right. It's like, I have a screaming baby and like five spirits just screaming. And all I want is for the screaming to stop because I'm overwhelmed. I need the screaming to stop, just stop. Mm-hmm. Right. And so being able, that's why one of the things that I always push is preparation. One of the things about our kids that is such a blessing is they're pretty consistent. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the things that set them off on Monday are probably going to set them off on Tuesday. I mean, as humans, we are things that set us off on Wednesday are going to set us off on Thursday. I mean, we're pretty consistent yeah. with that. So as much as we can prepare mentally, emotionally, physically, that much as we can prepare them for those really tough times, then we're more likely to fall back, more, we're less likely, excuse me, to fall back on those legacy burdens to try to gain control of the situation. Because we go to those when we feel a lack of control. Sure. That's often when we lean into like, all right, I'm just going to pull whatever I have out of my bag and start swinging. Because I don't yeah. know. It might be a tampon. It might be a baseball bat. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, whatever I grab, that's what's going to swing. Right. Yeah. So- I think that like, that makes sense to me for me, like preparedness is huge. And I just thought of like that Daniel Tiger song that something about how, like when we don't know what 
or when we're doing something new, let's talk about it. Um, let's make a plan or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but really, like, mm-hmm. not just for the kid, but for me. Like when we're go, when we're on our way to the grocery store, and the last three grocery store trips have been hard. Yeah, we're now talking in the car about what's coming up, what the boundaries and expectations are. And it's not just for him, it's for me. Like I get to revisit like, all right, Les, what you going to do in these moments? What's your plan? Because there's a strong chance he's going to walk in and it's going to be the same shit storm this time (laughs) that it was last time and the last two times. Like, it's not going to magically disappear. And so what's your plan? Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of this lately where he just wants me. So hard time separating when I go to work, even with, Zach, my husband, like all that he just wants mama. And so we had to sit down and come up with like, what's our plan when I'm going to walk away? What previously was like, bye mom. And he would give me a kiss and wave and whatever. Right now he's in a period of separation anxiety. And so what's our plan? What's every caregiver's plan and how are we following through so that it doesn't catch us off guard and we don't find ourselves floundering I think one of the things that we encounter in our village a lot is like the I think one thing it's like hmm, that we have a hard time actually allowing kids to feel hard things Mm -hmm. that so many of us grew up alone in our hard stuff Mm -hmm. that now with kids when it's like they are going to cry when I separate from them every part of me wants to just be like, I'm not going to work today then. (laughs) Like, I'm going to stop you from feeling this hard thing. Or like, yeah, they're in a peer group and something happens and they feel embarrassed or they get like emotionally hurt or somebody said something mean to them. And I want to like come to their defense and prevent it from happening, prevent that feeling from existing, prevent them from feeling scared, prevent them from feeling anxious. That we like try to make it go away. And I, I, I think it's from our burden of being left alone in our feelings, but I see it as one of the pendulum swings. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot voices. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. 
We've been loving active skin repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. I don't know about you, but when I scroll through Instagram or I'm tuning into podcasts and diving into parenting resources, resources for myself as a teacher, I can feel overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? I need a guide for what this looks like in practice. And I don't want something that's one size fits all because every child is different, right? And like, if you have multiple children, if you're a teacher, you know that it's not one size fits all. Or if you have seen what works for your sister-in-law or your best friend or your neighbor and you're like, oh my gosh, my child does not respond to that. That is how I felt. And then we created the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. It is a guide for building emotional intelligence. And y'all, there are five components of the SEP method. One is about how to respond to the kids and what it looks like to have adult-child interactions. The other four are about us because I don't know about you, but I did not grow up getting these tools. I did not grow up with them. I didn't grow up in this household where I was taught tools for self-awareness and self-regulation and how to do emotion processing work. And now as a parent and as a teacher, I'm supposed to teach those skills to a tiny human, but we can't teach what we don't know. And so my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is here to support you. You can head to www.seedandso.org slash book and snag Tiny Humans, Big Emotions today. This is a game changer. It's going to build these skills with you, for you, so that you can do this work alongside building these skills for your tiny humans so that they can grow up with a skill set for self-awareness, for regulation, for empathy, for social skills, for intrinsic motivation, a skill set of emotional intelligence so that they can navigate all the things that come their way in life. Snag tiny humans, big emotions, at seedandso.org slash book. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, growing up, not having to navigate feelings because we just stuff, we block them. You know, it's like now these feelings, one of the first things we do in Trigger to Transform is we start becoming aware of our feelings and our body sensations, right? Because we are so, we, a lot of us have like this love-hate relationship with them, you know, where it's like- Mostly a hate relationship know. for the most, really, honestly. Hate-hate <laughs> yeah. relationship. Really I hate, hate feeling rage. this way. Hate this. 
you are not allowed here. No, no. <laughs> Literally right? said to my best friend the other day, I hate feeling sad. This sucks. Oh, it does. And it she does. was like, it does. Yeah. Yes. And so it, it's like when we have those feelings and then we see them in our child, it's like, no, 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 no. You're reflecting back to me the thing I hate. That's not okay. I need you to stop because now I feel bad for me and for you. And now you're bringing out a bit of crap. Now I'm starting to feel sad. Ah, stop it. Stop it. Right. And so now our child becomes this mirror, which in some ways, if you really sit back and think about it, is absolutely gorgeous. Right. Because it's like, mom, dad, I'm going to show you the thing that you, where you need to do some work. Right? Yeah, I'll break like this our... down real easily for you. <laughs> and if you don't get it the first time, I'll break it down again and again <laughs> and again. <laughs> and we just won't stop until you finally get the hang of this. You're welcome. Right. And so it's one of those things where un- being able to sit with that discomfort is so hard. I got kicked out of a Facebook group. It's one of like my favorite stories to tell because I'm so proud of it. I got kicked out of a parenting Facebook group <laughs> years ago. Because there was a mom, she posted that um, she couldn't take a shower, couldn't take a shower because every time she went to take her shower, her daughter would start wailing. Now, mind you, dad was right there. Okay. Sure. I just want to say, like, I connect so deeply with this mom. Right. (laughs) Right? I think we all can. And she's like, I hate to say this, but I haven't taken a shower in like two days and I don't know what to do because, and part of it was. This this story, talk a lot about stories and T2T. The story is if my child is in pain, I have to fix it. If my child is in pain and I have to and I have the ability to stop it, I am obligated to do whatever I need to do to protect my child from the feelings because mm-hmm. feelings are bad and evil and need to go away. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like there's that story. Yeah. Um, so I posted and I said, you know, okay, here's some things. And we talked about, I talked about preparation. I talked about some role playing that she could do, you know, all these things. And I said, and at the end of the day, please go wash your butt. You know, like sometimes these things will work great and she'll be laughing and giggling when you go in the bathroom and other times she will be wailing. I yeah. need you to meet your need to bathe for you okay. and anyone within five feet of you. I please wash. <laughs> One of the women, one of the administrators came in and was like, you just told her to abandon her child and ignore her emotional needs. And I said, that's- Did you say, hey, administrator, would you like to break down your triggers here? I know, I should have. I said, that's literally not what I said. (laughs) That's literally not what I said to do. I have a whole- But that's it. Like, that's where I think like we can so quickly jump to like, this is abandonment because they're having a hard feeling and I'm not stopping it. And I don't know that we have really developed that skill set to be in an emotion or be present to an emotion with somebody else without making it go away. Yeah, exactly. Even adults, you know, it's like somebody starts crying. What do we do? Reach for the tissue. (laughs) That was so hard for me when I first started doing therapy. My, we had like, remember VCR tapes. We had to tape our sessions with VCR tapes and like show them to our supervisor. And um, I I still remember one time she stopped it. And she's like, this is the third time I've seen you hand a client a tissue. Why do you keep doing that? And I was like, because she's crying and she's gross. And she, I'm sure she wants it because I felt that I was giving her dignity. Sure. (laughs) I help by handing her a tissue. And of course she's going to want to stop the tears. Right. And what was interesting was we would watch and most of the clients would take the tissue and hold it. 
they wouldn't even like sop up their tears they're like okay if, if you need me to hold this sure okay whatever <laughs> right but I mean that's how much discomfort I had with feelings and emotions and I will tell you that tendency carries and actually I think it is and I I'm not shaming anybody here because I'm guilty of this too I could tell you my own story um I think we're creating a new burden of dependency 100% and codependence of, rather than interdependence yeah, codependence and mm-hmm. lack of personal awareness and really just a lack of knowledge on how to do anything for ourselves for I think the lack of kids. confidence in our ability mm. to be in emotions you know yeah. like and that's where resilience comes from it's like oh i experienced this hard thing i can move through this i have tools for this and i think what we're seeing is actually kids who are struggling with resilience because Mm. we haven't allowed them to be in hard emotions and experience them and learn that they do have to not not that they have to build those tools on their own in silos by themselves etc but this idea that like, yeah, you can do hard things. You can, you can. And that's the piece that, that like I was, so my girlfriend and I from college went to, um, for Mother's Day, we went to like the spa uh, bed and breakfast thing. And <laughs> somehow we ended up around a campfire with a bunch of parents that night. And one of the dads was like, I'm just going to ask what's wrong with our kids. <laughs> Oh my God. We just all started laughing and we got it. And everybody had older children. Like they actually had teens and like adults, like early twenties, late teens. So like around the campfire, the children ran the gamut in age. And what we ended up realizing was we were, what was, we were the issue because what happens is we want to protect them so much from difficult feelings and difficult times that we don't let them fall. That's what we I'm don't let them yeah. fall and get boo-boos. So it's like when they're really young and they hit like a six inch issue, we go and we pull them away from the ledge. No, 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 no. Don't do that. And when they, when they get older and they hit a one foot issue, no, 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 no. And then when it's a six foot issue, we, if we can't stop them, we dive under them with pillows so that they fall and they get soft and, you know, and all this stuff. And we don't allow them to fall and go, ow. And then learn from them. Maybe I won't jump off that hill again. And then what happens is they hit a 60-foot cliff. They don't know how to navigate it, right? If they even And then we're not there. And we're not there. And then we're like, what's wrong with our kids? (laughs) Right. Well, and I feel this. Like I just said the other day in an interview, my dream world is one where Sage doesn't have to, truly doesn't have to feel anything hard ever. Like that Mm, is my dream world. It would be beautiful. It would be gorgeous. And the reality is right now I can prevent him from feeling a lot of hard things. Mm -hmm. If I choose to do so, I can prevent it right now. He is largely in our care or in the care of someone, you know, in childcare, like he is close and turning to us for things. And as it stands right now, I have a lot of control over Mm. preventing him from feeling hard things. And this has come up a lot as we've been, Zach and I have been having conversations about this second human coming and all that jazz and just, you know, the pull of time where Mm. he gets us whatever we have and that then there will be more humans and less in time that goes directly to him. 
And Zach was like, let me tell you, as an only child, um, I wish there was more attention paid to other humans and not just me as I got older. Uh, but like then it was like just sole focus on me. And it felt like a lot of pressure in a lot of ways and um, uh, too much attention. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, that's helpful for me to hear as one of five who often felt like there wasn't enough, right? Like we're to- opposite ends here. Yeah. You're wasn't like a pendulum in your house. Jeez. Legit. <laughs> Legit. We're like, where's the middle? Um, and not to say that you can't have like five kids and have Oops. attention spread out, whatever. That's just not what my experience was as, right. as one of five in my household. And, um, yeah, so we've been chatting about this of like, and I was like, he, there are going to be times where he's going to have a need and she's going to have a need and I'm going to have a need and it's going to be triage and it's not always going to be his need first. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. And I think that that's really helpful for him. Yeah. To learn that. It's so yeah. true. I remember. And um, I hate it. Like both of those yes, are true. Yes. Yes. And you can have that feeling. Right. Right. That's an okay feeling to be like, I hate that. I hate that. I can't be all things and protect them from all things. But to your point, you can. And I'll give you an example of of further down the road. What happens if if we if we keep this up, please. (laughs) (laughs) Cautionary tale here. Um, My children started a new school last year. My son's 14 and my daughter's 11. And um, it was it's a much more rigorous school than either of them were used to. And so they would, I didn't mean to, but I got into this over-functioning, like to the point where my son wouldn't even pay attention in class because he would be like, my mom will teach me this when I get home. Mm. It's fine. Right? Because I was like reading the books, highlighting, going, creating these things about DNA and it's like a truck and like all the, like I was basically a science and social studies teacher. So one day he came home and there was a project that was due. And I didn't see it. And um, he got, didn't get a good grade because he handed it in. And I was like, why didn't you hand this in? This is what this boy said to me. Talk about teachers, them being my teachers. He said, you didn't tell me that was due. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and every part of me wanted to be like, it's, it's but I'm like, but who taught him that? Yeah, but this is what I set him up for, right? I set him up and I taught him. It is my job to tell you what's due, when it's due, to teach it to you, right? And then part of the reason we sent them to this school is because I was like, they need to learn how to learn. They're not learning how to learn, right? Mm, And so I'm not all about like the hardcore, but I also think you need to learn how to like, I don't know, study. (laughs) That's kind of such a useful skill. Learn stuff. Um, And I think like the bias comes in here too of like, you know that culturally speaking in our country right now as it stands they're going to have to get higher grades have higher achievement rates etc yes. to access the same thing that white kids will have access exactly. to exactly and bullshit and it's real right now no it's so true like you're gonna have to do especially my boy right like yeah you're gonna have to be able to prove you can't just coast dude you yeah. know like his dad's a physician right and he's still he's still proving himself like yeah. he'll tell me stories and I'm like but the other doctor did the same you know what don't mm-hmm. don't stop telling right. me stories he's a black man in America make me mad yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right yeah. so I'm aware of this and part of and I realized that very thing right there was part of my trigger with him sure too right like I was triggered around I have to prepare you 
for this world where you're gonna have to be able to be on it. You can't slack. You can't hope because nobody's gonna just hand you anything. They're waiting you know? for you to fail. Yes, and and you can't like not on my watch. That was that sure. was my thing. Sure. Not on my watch. You're gonna do this. Yeah. But the problem was, I essentially was setting up a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Because he still wasn't learning. He wasn't learning to learn. He was learning to rely on mom to teach. Yeah. You were learning how to teach. <laughs> you know, I am not a teacher. Not you a are, little. But not a. <laughs> sure. Not a little. That's not. My daughter always like, why don't you homeschool me? And I'm like, do you want to be even remotely successful at any? <laughs> Like, what are you asking for, kid? We all got no skills. idea. We all got skills. I am not a homeschool parent either. I wish because I were when a Sage asks teacher. questions and I say, "Oh, it's science," let's ask Uncle <laughs> Willie. He'll know more about that. <laughs> See, I'm like you. I can delegate. I can. I can. I can mm-hmm. point you in the direction mm-hmm. of what you need to know. But in Correct. terms of like consistently teaching you, you will not like me, and I will not like me. And so let's just not even go down that road. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, that is what, and, and from sitting around the fire, the campfire with all those parents, we were all just kind of like nodding because every single parent had that story and we, and every single parent spoke to the idea, the fundamental solution, like conclusion was, I don't want them to hurt. I don't want them to suffer. I don't want them to struggle like I did. So I'm trying to keep them from doing that. But the truth of the matter is like the butterfly getting out of the chrysalis, you know, it's like. There has to be a struggle. If you go up to a butterfly when it's trying to fight its way out and you open it, that butterfly will die because that struggle is what strengthens its wings. It's what gets it Mm -hmm. ready for the world. And if you relieve it of that struggle, yay, you feel better because you feel like you've done something. But ultimately, you've probably killed the butterfly. You didn't kill your kid. But, you know, I mean, you, you, you have not helped. You've done the opposite of helping that butterfly. And so and it's harder in the moment is the reality. It's it harder is. for us. Right. And so like, is to there watch are that times, poor butterfly struggle. Yeah, exactly. There are times where I'm like, legit, I don't have the bandwidth right now. Like I'm too burned out. I have not either taken care of my needs or we're in a hard season where meeting all my needs is really hard. And so those are seasons where, yeah, I help him more or I step in more. I save mm. him more. Yeah. And it's really about me. It is like, I, you know, I can even picture him as a baby, like trying to crawl forward and going backwards and feeling frustrated. And there were times where I had the bandwidth to sit there and emotion coach it and be like, oh, you're trying so hard to go forward to that toy and your body keeps going backwards. And that's so frustrating. And then there were times where I was like, I'm going to bring that toy closer to him because I don't have the bandwidth, Yeah, you know? And like, I, I think recognizing that, that like, it's actually not about them. I think a lot of the time, I think yeah. it's about us. And like, I don't want to be in this hard thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch them struggle because it's harder for me to be in that than it is to just stop the struggle. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. It is. And that's okay. It's okay to have those moments where you're like, just here, kid. I can't. Yeah, here's the toy. I can't. To your point, recognizing that that's what you're doing. I am relieving you of this struggle because I am relieving me of this struggle. (laughs) I'm relieving, I'm actually relieving me of this struggle. Yeah, legit. Yeah. And I I think that that's so key. And and then for me, it's like I have less shame around it when I acknowledge that, where I'm like, yeah, sometimes I relieve him of his struggle because I need to relieve myself of it because we can't always be in this work, (laughs) you know, like it's exhausting and hard and there are seasons that are hard and being able to allow that for myself was really huge for then letting him be in the struggle. Cause then I can be like a all or nothing person. And so when I say like, yeah, sometimes I need to do this for me because I don't have the bandwidth and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that next time I won't have the bandwidth. It's so true. It's so true. And one of my favorite words in the English language is experiment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so often in the program, the, the other thing that I notice parents will do is it's almost like every moment is like a life changing moment. It's like red pill, blue pill <laughs> moment. You know, it's like if I take one, if I go left, they take the red pill. I can never go back. And I'm like, and you're like, well, if I do this and should I do that? And but experiment. Yeah. See what happens. Right? Like, don't take a shower for two days. See how that works out for you. Then maybe one day take a shower. See how that works out for you. Right? And see how that works out of like, not only your physical, but am I now resentful of this kid? Am I resentful of the humans around me who get to take a shower all the time? Like, what am I really feeling? And by not meeting this need of mine. Exactly. Exactly. And realizing like, in most situations, not all, but in most situations, you're going to get a do-over. Yeah. You're going to get a do-over. You can make a U-turn. You can try something else, right? Especially when they're young. And so giving yourself that grace and that freedom to say, okay, it's that kind of day today. This is, this is where we're going today. Tomorrow, it's going to be that kind of day. 
We're going to go in this direction tomorrow. Well, and the do-over is where the magic happens. The do-over is the repair, right? And we write so much about it in Tiny Names, Big Emotions, Mm -hmm. like how to repair and what that actually looks like. But I think of like myself as a kid. And if there had been, I don't know, one moment in my life where my parents had done something that didn't feel right for them in the moment, but then later came and said like, man, I was feeling overwhelmed earlier and I shouldn't have yelled. I lost my cool or you were crying and I ignored you and put you in your room by yourself. And I bet that felt like crap. And I'm really sorry. Like how healing and comforting that would have been and how seen I would have felt in those moments. And the the thing, the trajectory of the thing still would have been the same, right? Like yeah. I'm put in my room to feel by myself, whatever. But their acknowledgement of like, that probably sucked and I dropped the ball mm-hmm. would have been huge. And I think we undervalue the role of repair. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it goes back to that sense of not be it not, it's not modeled for most mm-hmm. of us, right? Like an adult totally. saying, I'm sorry, that's hilarious. I think I would have, I think I would have been terrified. I would have been like, all right, invasion of the body snatchers just came out too, not too long ago. And I'm pretty where'd sure. Where'd my mom go? I'm... Excuse me. Where's my mom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is not a thing what's happening right now I'm really confused and you're scared are we sick are we okay yeah right <laughs> no. yeah. brain eating amoeba what's happening right now right so I think it hasn't been modeled which again goes back to that brick yeah. metaphor right it's like we got to learn this mm-hmm. like the baton is really heavy that we've been handed yeah. and we have to learn it and then we have to model it and then we have to teach it but then we also have to experiment with it because all these people say it should be working but it's really not working because they haven't learned their lines and I'm really getting frustrated and I just want to take a shower <laughs> right well and I expected that if I said or did this they would then not cry and I could get in the shower and that's like another part of this it's like no I'm not saying certain things or doing certain things with kids for an expected behavioral response from them I do still expect that they're going to have hard feelings and they're going to be mad about it. And they might be crying outside the shower and I'm still going to get in the shower and I'm going to let them know. I hear you, bud. I'm in a shower to take care of my body and I'll be out in a little bit. Yes. And going through that so that this child learns that my needs are important too, Mm -hmm. just like their needs are important. And that before I can support them, I have to support me. And exactly. that it's okay for them to feel disappointed about it. Yes. Yes. All those emotions. That's perfect, right? Like all those, the emote, the disappointment, the sadness, the anger, the, you know, all of that stuff. When we, we have a cat and one thing we learned about cats is when they're in the wild, they don't. I almost jumped in and just said that they're assholes, but. <laughs> no, cats are amazing. I love cats. <laughs> But keep going. So your version, what you've learned about cats. I honor your truth on this, Lynetta. <laughs> but they, that feels real for you. Um, <laughs> go ahead. They really are their own people, though, I have to say. I say cats are like tweens. They're like, I'll, I'll come to you when I'm ready and when I want. Like, other than that, like, you do you. <laughs> but um, we learned that they don't meow after a certain time like the meow gets ex- becomes extinguished because in the wild like moms don't respond to that meow after like they they respond to it when they're really really little kittens because it's like oh you're over there come back here you know right. but after when it's time for them to the moms just don't react to it so the meow gets extinguished after a while but with kid with littles 
a lot of times what happened and what this woman in the Facebook group was saying, she was like, you know, I feel like when I do try to just put my foot down and go in and, and just take a shower, it gets, the, the whale gets louder and stronger. And I was like, well, that's because yeah. you come back and you like, I'd wail louder and stronger too, if I knew that every time you wailed. So it's one of those things where it was like, and then you feed into that fear. Like if there is a fear there, like, oh no, mommy's yeah. going, like if we haven't established object permanence yet, right? like, mm-hmm. or we have, you know, it's like, mommy goes away and I can't see her anymore. And that's scary, right? Mm-hmm. When you just keep coming back, it just reinforces that fear. So if you go away and then you come back and you're all happy and cheerful because now you have more bandwidth and you don't look like you're grumpy and you don't look like, then your child's like, oh, okay, okay, I, I survived. You survived. I was here with dad. He was all right. And you came back and now we're good. Right. So it, it like finishes the story and doesn't keep you both stuck in that space of I can't handle. It. And I think that works at any age. Right. Yeah. Like even with my kid, with with my son, me saying like, hey, dude, you're responsible. And it actually happened where he didn't do something. He got a really low grade on it. And I was like, I'm not messaging your teacher. I'm not doing anything like you just have to deal with this. You have to deal with this experience in this moment because this is an experience that was created. It has a consequence and not in a bad way. It's just actually totally. a consequence, right? And this is just part of that neural are. pathway, right? Yeah. Like, when I do this, this happens. This happens. We all develop these neural pathways. And before his neural pathway was I do whatever. And then mom teaches me. And so then I get these good grades and you started to develop a new neural pathway for him. And that that is going to take time to strengthen these new neural pathways of like, yeah, I'm not going to be holding your hand in that same way. I'm going to, I gave you some roots and now I'm giving you wings to fly. Right. And like, and you'll be okay. You're okay. And he gets to practice that in a safe space, right? Mm -hmm. Like where it's a bad grade on a test right now, you know? And like, that's where, when I look at Sage now, I'm like, I want him to practice feeling hard things and making mistakes or feeling nervous and accessing bravery or whatever while he's here and I can see it and he can do it in a relatively safe manner. And these like small moments, because I'm not always going to be there and the moments will get bigger in terms of the weight, right? Yes. At some point there will be life or death moments. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't get lower. Right. Exactly. Oh, I love this. Per usual, I could chat with you forever. Um, (laughs) I love you. I I think it's so helpful though, to, for us to really uh, just acknowledge that we're doing really hard work here of doing something that wasn't modeled for us. Mm -hmm. And that in the same way that we're saying the kids need to be able to make mistakes, we're going to make mistakes. And one of the things that I find so comforting from your message is this idea of the relay race that we're not actually supposed to heal every single thing that's been passed to us. And so we joke in our household of like, Oh, I wonder what burden Sage is going to look back and be like, (laughs) thanks a lot guys. And be working through. Right. And that like my hope as a human and as a parent is that when he is in that space where he's like, this is something I'm doing differently than how I was raised, that I can be in a space to say like, awesome buddy. I totally get that. I did some things differently from how Grammy and Pa raised me. And 
I love that you're learning and growing yes. and I'm here to support you. Right. That, that's like, that's my goal as a parent. Evolution. Yeah. It's not that he gets there and he's like, I'm going to repeat everything my parents did because they were perfect. <laughs> I'm right? like, dang it. <laughs> I failed you. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but I think so that true. that can come up for us where we're like, I want to yeah. be perfect. I want them yeah. to get to adulthood and be like, I have nothing to rewrite. I want to teach them all the things. I want them to have all the skills, all the spiritual, emotional, psychological skills that I didn't have so that they could make it through life by the time they're 16. That's what I need them to have, right? With no it's challenges like, where they can no easily accomplish all the things, right? And it's like, that's exactly. not, not realistic. And I think when we it's let not. ourselves off that hook, the, the part in our book where we said, I hope... One day, I hope our children grow up and tell us about the things they've learned and ways they're working to do things differently and that you aren't failing if you aren't perfect. Your mess is yeah. welcome here. I mean that. that. And I think that's something you truly bring to the world. And I'm so grateful for in, in your work and in your message. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. Your book is phenomenal. Oh, I'm so excited for the world to experience it. Ah so good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I love you. And I'm so grateful for your work and your support here. Where can folks find you, connect with you, learn more about you? Yeah. Um, I think the best place to go is to, I mean, I have a website, but um, mytriggerscore.com. There's actually a quiz there that you can go to and you can figure out what is your parenting trigger score. Mm. Um, and there are some really good insights and tips to get you started on that process of doing exactly what we're talking about, learning how you tend to show up when those parts of you get triggered so that you can move on um, in a way that feels good to you with awareness and deeper understanding. And when you sign up for that, you get also some additional tools for like the first five days or so that could actually help you start on that journey. So check that out. Love it. Love it. Thanks, Lynetta. Yes. Thank you, Alyssa. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.